Hello, this is Brian Bullington, and I am pastor of New Song Family Church in Ventuk, Namibia. I'm so glad that you have joined us today, and it's my prayer that this podcast message will help you to grow closer to Jesus as you walk daily with Him. Can, can God trust us to do what He's asked us to do? I want to fill that question this morning. Can God trust us to do what He's asked us to do? Uh, he's given us directives. Uh, he's promised us his power to do whatever he's asked us to do. And now we have a choice uh, whether we choose to follow that and we choose to be empowered by him, to be filled by him so that we can actually accomplish what he's asked us to do. Can God trust us to do what he's asked us to do? I uh, have these horrible memories uh, to this day of uh, on two separate occasions when I was given the responsibility to pick up my children from school or from an event I forgot them. Uh, I still have these horrible memories of the look on their faces when I eventually got there. Uh, they were just, you know, hurt and shocked and uh, scared uh, because I'd left them and not picked them up. Uh, <clears throat> terrible memories of this even to this day. And, and my kids are grown up, they're adults now, and still, after all these years, <laughs> I still feel bad for leaving my kids on the side of the road. I don't know if you've been one of those children who's been left or forgotten. Uh, anyone here, have you been forgotten by your parents? Yeah, raise your hand, just keep them up if you've ever been forgotten by your parents, yeah, yeah. We've all been traumatized, have we not? If you're online this morning, go ahead, raise your hand if you've been forgotten, yeah, yeah. We're, um, we expect our parents to be more faithful than that, you know, and to remember us. But unfortunately, we've been the, we've been the, the victims of you know, we've also been the ones who've created hurt in people because we've not been faithful. We've not been trustworthy enough uh, to get the job done. Can God trust us to do what he's asked us to do? I want you to look this morning at Matthew 5. Matthew 5. Uh, I think uh, Jesus is going to help us this morning to, to figure this out maybe a little bit better. Uh, you have also heard that our ancestors were told, you must not break your vows. You must carry out the vows you make to the Lord. But I say, do not make any vows. Do not say by heaven, because heaven is God's throne. And do not say by the earth, because the earth is his footstool. And do not say by Jerusalem, for Jerusalem is the city of the great king. Do not even say by my head, for you can't turn one hair white or black, and I would add, you can't even make one hair stay on your head. Just say a simple yes, I will, or no, I won't. Anything beyond this is from the evil one. A lot of us make promises based on the integrity of someone else. In other words, we make a promise saying, I swear by, or I promise you, based on and very often we swear on things that we have no control over whatsoever. Instead of saying, my word is my bond, I will do what I say. Jesus is saying here that anything beyond you just saying yes or no based on what you can control is, is from the evil one. The Bible has these incredible illustrations of people who made promises uh, incorrectly and it destroyed their lives. We see this in the Old Testament, uh, uh, character number one, Jephthah, Jephthah, a warrior, a, a Jewish warrior, 
promised God that uh, he would sacrifice on the altar whatever uh, he saw after he returned from battle if God gave him victory in battle. And uh, he was victorious in battle. And when he came home, the first thing that he saw was his daughter running out of his house uh, to greet him. And uh, he was broken, saying, oh, no, because he had made a vow to God that whatever the first thing he saw when he came home, he would sacrifice whatever that was on a burnt offering. In other words, he would kill whatever it was and give this as, as an offering to, to God. Wow. It's interesting that Jephthah, in response to this, doesn't take personal responsibility for his actions. He actually blames his daughter. Uh, you can read this for yourself in Judges, Judges chapter 11. It's amazing. He says, you've ruined my, you've, you've completely destroyed me. He says this to his daughter. You've completely destroyed me. And his daughter, knowing that his father is going to follow through with his horrible promise, this horrible vow, says, can you give me some time to hang out with my friends before you kill me? And uh, his, his, her father actually gives her the freedom to go take some time. But then ultimately he sacrifices his own daughter on the altar. Now, you read this in the Bible, you think to yourself, good grief, is this really God's heart? No, this is not the heart of God. <laughs> this is a stupid promise made by somebody. It had nothing to do with God's will, had nothing to do with uh, God's direction. This was a man making a, a, a goofy, irresponsible promise that he then felt by some strange cultural perspective felt like he had to follow through with this. And it had nothing to do with God or God's direction or God's will. We see this. Through Scripture, we see it in the New Testament as well. Uh, John the Baptist, you heard of John the Baptist? Uh, this horrible king uh, makes a promise to his wife uh, to do, give, uh, sorry, his wife's daughter to say, whatever you want, I'll give it to you. And she asked for the head of John on a silver platter. And so he feels obligated now to go and kill John and bring this head and hand it to uh, his, uh, his, his daughter. Terrible. We, we see this with Pilate, uh, who is uh, not taking responsibility for the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. What does he do? He washes his hands as though he had no authority whatsoever. And we see that this behavior of, of not taking personal responsibility for actions is, is not just in the Bible, but culturally part of our world and our lives. We don't take responsibility for our decisions. When's the last time you took responsibility for your behavior? When's the last time did I take responsibility for my behavior? When someone asked me why I didn't do what I said I would do, do I say, I'm sorry, but somebody else stopped me, or do I take personal responsibility? Who do I blame when I don't do my job properly? We shift responsibility, right? And we shift our integrity to someone else that we have absolutely no control over. The fact of the matter is, is that we have no control over God, right? So for you to make a promise based on God, you have no control over him. Therefore, you can't make that promise in good faith because you have no control over God. You have no control over heaven, do you? So if you swear by heaven, you're swearing by something that you have no control over. The great thing about swearing by things you have no control over is that when things go wrong, who can you blame? Everyone but yourself, right? Well, it's God's fault because, well, I swore by him and he didn't do his job. And you? No, I didn't do my job either, but I'm not going to say that. You have no control over earth. 
You have no control over the city that you live in. I swear by Vintuk. I don't think anyone has ever said that. Anyone here ever said that? Yeah. I swear by Vintuk. That dot, dot, dot. No. You have no control over the laws of nature. Right? You can't even guarantee that tomorrow you're going to be healthy. Now, you can make decisions that you think will help you in your health by exercising, your, you know, that your future self will thank you, but at this point, you really cannot be for sure that tomorrow you're going to feel better than you do today. But you do have control over your thoughts. You have control over your thoughts and your actions within God's will for your life. So you have control over your thoughts and actions within the context of what God has asked you to do. If God has asked you to do something, God gives you that ability and that power to make decisions based on his will, his power. And that's, that's, in, that's on you and that's on us, that we have control over our thoughts and our actions. We need to take responsibility for our decisions instead of blaming others for our faults. We need to take responsibility. Don't make promises that we can't keep. Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Simple as that. Sometimes we wonder if a lack of faithfulness in society is disastrous. Uh, uh, I've been one of these people who believes that my actions really don't have any impact on anyone else, but of course that's not true. Uh, research has been done and the reality is, is that our unfaithfulness as a society destroys our society. Our lack of trustworthiness, our lack of reliability is very destructive for society, it's destructive for the church, it's destructive, it's destructive for the advancement of, of God's kingdom. Uh, it keeps our church from growing, it keeps the church from multiplying, it keeps, people, it keeps people from actually coming to faith because of our irresponsibility. According to one study, this is a study done in the United States, an average of 590,000 workers in America arrive late every single day to, to jobs in America. Each late employee loses, on average, 97 minutes per month, which then costs their employees $480 per head each year. But if none of those figures make any sense to you, the entire cost of the economy for the United States, based on everyone just being late, costs the American economy $14 billion U.S. dollars. That's not any small matter. Based on our tardiness and lateness, it impacts us. I want to show you a, a, a graph here this morning just for you guys who enjoy this kind of stuff. I enjoy it. Uh, this is out of a book by Simon Sinek. The book is called Leaders Eat Last. Great book if, you, if you're needing some, some reading. Uh, this is a great book to read. Uh, Leaders Eat Last by Simon Sinek. Uh, he proposes this graph here. If this graph here on the top here would be performance. Do you see it? Everybody see this? Performance on the top and on the bottom here, trust. Uh, based on that grid, now next slide. Uh, a person who uh, cannot be trusted and is a low performer is not the kind of person you want to hire for any kind of job, right? When you're looking to grow your business and you're looking to hire somebody, you don't look for someone who you can't trust and who has no capacity, correct? Would you agree with that, everybody? Everybody with me? Just want to make sure we're tracking. Yeah. <laughs> next slide. We want this guy, right? who's uh, high performance and high trust. I mean, we're, we're looking for someone to fill a, a slot in our business. We're looking for someone we can really trust who has great capacity, correct? This is usually what happens though uh, in a lot of our businesses. We get this next slide here. We get this person right on the left here. 
who maybe is a high performer, but you don't trust them. We, people who are, have high capacity are hired like this all over, right? All over the world. Man, they're really good. They're skilled, but you can't trust them as far as you can throw them. What businesses have found is that they would rather have, ultimately, as they think about and evaluate their work in terms of income and long-term, they're looking for even this guy who's, a, who's high trust but a low performer. They would, because they can work with this guy. Uh, this, this individual, this lady, this man can be trained, right? So businesses are realizing that they would prefer to hire someone who's faithful, reliable, they can trust, than someone who has high capacity because they can train. So next slide. Okay, they're looking for even a guy who's like a medium capacity. All right, we can, we can bring this guy up. And then next slide. Yeah, or this guy here, or instead of this guy, next slide, that guy right there. We don't want that guy, right? Because that guy ultimately will destroy your business. And I promise you, uh, having been around for a while, that those kind of people are very difficult to be around because ultimately you think, well, I hired because he's a very skilled person, but ultimately it was their lack of faithfulness that destroyed the business. Thank you. <laughs> God invites us to faithfulness. And he commands us, let your yes be yes, your no be no. I personally would much prefer to work with someone I can trust than someone who has high capacity. Now, capacity is important, but capacity can be built. The reality is, is that this command that we see in Matthew 5 from Jesus was given to people who have no capacity. But he's asking us to be trustworthy. And the fact of the matter is, is that God builds in us capacity based on our faithfulness. So he says, come, be faithful, remain in me, and then God is the one who works in us and through us for his, his good pleasure. Now that's the invitation that we're given. This morning when you hear this from Jesus, let your yes be yes and your no be no, it's overwhelming because possibly you're not that person or possibly culturally you're not that person. But God says, no, come be this person and I will, I will work in and through you to be the person I've asked you to be. Faithfulness, faithfulness. A lot of us have been victimized. A lot of us have been my son <laughs> who was forgotten. Uh, it was not picked up by me. And uh, if that happens over a period of time, you begin to feel like you're not important. And you begin to feel even more powerless than you did before you were forgotten. It's a, it's a victim issue with, that we have, and a lot of us live with this. We feel powerless, and we've been victimized, and therefore this victimization leads us to a feeling that we have absolutely no power. But in Christ, we do have power. In Christ, we can do everything he's asked us to do. And, he, and furthermore, God holds us responsible for what he's asked us to do. I think what he's saying here is that we need to limit our commitments to what we have control over and what he's asked us to do. Within the limits of his will, and within the limits of his will, we have the capacity then and control over those decisions. One, one trait of being a victim uh, is that we very often just try to please whoever's in front of us at any given time. 
We're not thinking about the next person that we're going to let down. We're just thinking about the person in front of us we're going to let down. And so we please this person, and when they're done with us, it doesn't matter if we've broken our next commitment, our next time. We just please this person, and then we move on to the next person and hopefully satisfy them. We spend most of our lives apologizing for being late. Uh, basically, we set up our lives are set up putting out fires instead of actually planning. And that's how we live. It's interesting to me, though, uh, and I hope it is to you, too, that we feel like somehow we can make a promise based on someone else's integrity instead of our own. We feel like we have more control over God, more control over this earth, more control over others than we do ourselves. It's an interesting uh, paradigm that we live in. I think that's strange. The reality is, is that we have more control of ourselves than we do anything or anyone else. We're invited by Jesus to begin to contemplate the real cost of being responsible. So God gives us commands. He gives us the power that we need to follow through with those commands. He expects us and he holds us responsible for his commands. But he wants us to consider the cost. He wants us to evaluate, can I do this? What's the capacity? What's God's capacity? What's my capacity? And let's look at this at Luke 14. This is what he says. In terms of his asking us to pick up our cross, follow him and obey him, there are expectations. He says, if you do not carry your own cross and follow me, you cannot be what? You can't be my disciple. Carry your own cross, all right? Emphasis on own cross. But don't begin until you do what? Count the cost. For who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there is enough money to finish it? Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money, and then everyone would laugh at you. They would say, there's the person who started that building and couldn't afford to finish it. You ever seen buildings in cities that are just started but not finished? There used to be a house uh, on Robert Mugabe. I, probably I'll remember this house. It was in stages, I think it's a four-story building now, but uh, they built sort of the frame and then the next year they put windows in it, the next year, everyone noticed this house because it never got finished. I think it's finally finished. But that's often the picture we, we have of the body of Christ is that we're not considered people that people can count on. We're sort of unfinished. All of us are unfinished, yes. But God is busy working in us his goodwill and his good pleasure in us over time. And he expects us to trust him and obey him based on his strength and his power. And we have control over that. I want to give you a few verses this morning that will help you out. So first of all, tip number one is count the cost. Uh, look at your life. What's this really going to cost you? Uh, he asks us, he calls us to give our life to him and he says, what's this going to cost you? And we need to evaluate that. And when we before we step in without realizing what it's really going to cost. God is inviting us to give our lives. It's a big cost, isn't it? To sacrifice everything for his glory and for his sake. We need to really think about that or else we will never serve him like he expects us to serve him. Paul was very aware of God's command and very aware of his weakness. Look what he said here in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 8. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. And this was in reference to um, a weakness that he had. But each time he said, 
Each time he said, God said, that is, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul was aware, first of all, that God had commanded him to be in a service. But he was reminded on a daily basis that God would also give him the power to, to, to be and behave in the way God had asked him to behave. And the secret to your yes being yes, your no being no, is to understand you are weak, but that God is strong. That's the secret. So count the cost, he says. Count the cost. Evaluate so that your yes can truly be yes and your no can be no. That people can count on you. And you can be faithful because God is expecting this of you. God will hold you responsible, but God will also empower you to do what he's asked you to do. If you live a life as a victim, perpetual victim, then you feel powerless. And you will never do what God has asked you to do because you remain powerless. The fact of the matter is, as children of God, God not only commands us, but he also empowers. And therefore, we say yes based on the power of God through us. Philippians 2.13, quickly, just very quickly. Paul wrote this in so many different ways. Philippians 2.13, for it is God who works who? In you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. It's God. Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, God saved you by his, say it with me, grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is the gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are what? God's masterpiece. Christ working in us. So we need to stop being a victim. And we need to stop embracing the capacities that God has given us. We are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. How do we say yes? How, does our, how is our yes yes and our no no? It's based on the power of God through us. And we should be able to say as followers of Christ, you can count on me because I can count on God. You can count on me because I'm counting on God. And God promised that he will empower me to do what he's asked me to do. Let's keep going here. 2 Corinthians 5. In terms of sharing the gospel, what does he say in verse 20? 2 Corinthians 5 verse 20. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through what? Through us. God works through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering of our sins so that we could be made right with God through Christ. And here's the most famous one, I think. You've probably quoted this in your life if you've been a follower of Christ for a while. Philippians 4, verses 12 through 13. I know how to live on almost, I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little, for I can say with me, do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Why are we held responsible for disobedience? Why does God hold us accountable? Because he empowers us. We have no excuse because whatever God has asked us to do, we can do through him who gives us strength. So it's based on God's capacity, his will that we say yes 
are no. God's, God holds us responsible for our actions. Our problem very often is that we overcommit, right? We haven't even considered what God's will is for our lives, and so we overcommit. We should, when someone asks us to do something, we should say, just a moment, let me find out what God wants me to do. I want to know what God wants me to do because I want to be empowered to do what God has asked me to do. I don't want to be saying yes to something that is outside of his will because I know if I say something outside of his will, I'm not going to be able to do it. Your yes is yes, your no is no. This is based on God's will and his empowering in your life. And God will hold us responsible to that because he empowers us. We are invited to be reliable, to have integrity in our yeses and our noes. Matthew 5, verse 37. Just say a simple, what? Yes, I will. Or no, I won't. Anything beyond that is from the evil one. The reality is this. Society does not function properly with unreliable citizens. And we can probably all give stories of a business or a city or a country that doesn't work like it should because people don't do what they say. They cannot be counted on as a society. It's because they've embraced a culture of non-trustworthiness. This is why we hear reports all the time about corruption, right? Because it's a problem. Uh, right now in different countries in the world that will go nameless, they don't have enough power to function. The power is out three to four hours a day in some nations in the world. In some nations, they don't have water on a regular basis. The people, citizens of those nations, have counted on the leaders of these nations to provide electricity and water, right? They've actually, in many cases, have paid money on a monthly basis for these services, but they don't receive them. All of us have been in situations where we've counted on someone and that someone has not supplied what they said they would do, and it has a cost to it. This is true in every, every aspect of life, whether it's our families, whether it's the city we live in, the nations we live in, the schools we attend, the businesses we're part of. We are always impacted in a good way or a bad way based on people's integrity and their reliability. And all of us can tell, can tell stories. Many of us can tell stories of how people did not do for us what they said they would do, and we're bothered by it, and yet at the same time, we justify our own behavior when we are unreliable to say that's just who I am. But all of us have been victimized because people have not been trustworthy and not been faithful, and we know it's a real problem. Separate of culture, we know it is a real problem, and it's a problem also, too, in the church. It's a problem with God's people. The gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ to a lost world is prevented from moving as fast as it needs to because we are not faithful. It's an issue of unfaithfulness, and that's why the gospel does not move like it's supposed to. Can Jesus, can God trust the church to be the ambassadors for his name, for the good news of Jesus Christ? Can we be trusted 
with this incredible treasure, this incredible truth, to be faithful to share this with a lost world. And unfortunately, I'm one of those people who would say, God, I, I'm not trustworthy a lot of the time. I don't advance your kingdom like I need to. Maybe you're like me. Maybe you can look at yourself and say, man, I do not do what God has asked me to do nearly like he's expecting. Have you been there? Is that you or is it just me? I've not been nearly as faithful as I need to be. But God has commissioned me to carry this good news to a lost world. God has commissioned, commissioned you, God has commissioned this church and churches all over the world to be his ambassadors. You might think to yourself, why would God trust this incredible treasure to us? That's a really valid question. <laughs> because we are unfaithful, right? We are weak. He trusts us with this incredible commission because he is the one who empowers this commission. And it's our job is to understand our weakness and then to rely on him so that we can be the people he's called us to be. So that our yes can be yes. When God says, go make disciples, we can say yes with the confidence that God empowers us to do it. L look what 2 Timothy 2 says this. This is a letter from Paul to one of his disciples. He says this, Timothy, my dear son, be strong through the grace that God gives you in Christ Jesus. Be strong in what? The grace. Grace is all of God's power, all of God's love. That's what grace is. It's His empowering to do what He's asked us to do. God gives you in Christ Jesus. You have heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many, what kind of witnesses? Reliable witnesses. All right. Now teach these truths to other, what kind of people? Trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. Endure suffering along with me as a good soldier of Christ. Soldiers don't get tied up in the affairs of civilian life. For then they cannot please the officer who enlisted them. And athletes cannot win the prize unless they what? Follow the rules. And hardworking farmers should be the first to enjoy the fruit of their labor. We could unpack 2 Timothy 2, those first six verses, uh, in another sermon. But all the metaphors and examples here of athletes and hard workers and farmers, these are people who we count on, right? All of us, let's just take farmers. We count on farmers to be faithful to plants so that we can go to spar or wherever we shop and buy food, correct? Just think if a farmer did not do his job, you and I wouldn't be eating. We are counting on it. We're expecting, we're assuming that farmers will get up early in the morning and they'll plant seed. We're assuming that they'll water what they've planted because we need to eat. We need to eat. Can God, can God trust us to do what he's asked us to do? Let your yes be yes and your no be no. I am convinced that uh, different societies have different problems that we struggle with. Um, my goodness, uh, if we look at the society I came from, the United States of America, we are kind of known for being materialistic. If you, if you think about us right now, we're probably known for interesting politics. I don't know if you follow American politics, uh, but I think most of you do. I've had many conversations with you about American politics. And uh, I'm, I love that the United States is entertaining the world with their political situation. It's very interesting. But we're, we're kind of known for this, right, uh, for, for that. 
Uh, right now, people are talking about how the United States is a toxic environment. It's a, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a racist society. It's all these things that people say about the United States. Um, but in many ways, um, uh, America is also known for being a hardworking industrial nation that provides supplies and you know goods for the rest of the world. That's kind of what they're known for. Uh, although they're not known for a lot of other things. If you think about Germans, all right, everyone thinking about Germans now. If you're a, if you're a German here in the room, uh, I don't. What, what are you? What are Germans known for? Right, efficiency, right, and, and what else? Punctuality. Punctuality. Anything else? Huh? <laughs> uh, when, I, when I think of the German nation and culture, I think, okay, these people are going to tell me exactly the truth, and they're not going to uh, actually pepper it with, you know, roses and beautiful. They're just going to tell me this is, this is the truth. Take it or leave it. Bless you. Every society has a cultural sin as well. And in addition to their good things, we all have uh, things that we're known for. Uh, I would say the society I come from, uh, very materialistic, uh, very, very uh, self-loving. It's really not, uh, not good to be known for. That, that's what a lot of Americans have to get over is this hunger for money, love of money, love of self. Uh, is, we're known for that as a society. It's a problem. And when, when an American comes to faith, that's one of the first things they have to deal with is their love of money and, and their love of self. That's what they have to surrender to God. And the church doesn't go forward in, a, in the United States of America when the love of self and the love of money is not dealt with properly. Other societies have other problems. There are societies in different parts of the world that are known for their, their sex industry. Uh, they're known for trafficking, for other things. And when they come to faith, uh, they have to overcome the, the, the sexual reality of, of their societies. They're, they're sexually obsessed societies, and that's what they have to overcome. But there are other societies in the world that have a, a cultural identity of lack of faithfulness. Uh, they can't be counted on. When you think, I'm not going to name names of countries, this, you all know who these people are, but... Uh, you can think of nations that when you think of them, you go, oh, cannot count on them. All right? You just say the name of this country and you go, oh, the first thing that comes to your mind is, oh, I can't count on them. The problem with a lack of faithfulness in any society is that it, it stops the kingdom of God from advancing properly. And so a lack of faithfulness, a lack of trustworthiness is one of the biggest hindrances to the advancement of the gospel. We're invited for our yes to be yes and our no to be no. And I think we, we, we have a responsibility to consider what is the thing we struggle with as a culture, as a society. What is it that we struggle with and surrender those to God and say, God, help me to understand how to be a better person in this regard. I want to invite us as a society here in this context here in Vintook and our church, New Song Family Church, to consider how we could be faithful, that we could be counted on, that our yes could be yes and our no could be no. I believe that it's our lack of faithfulness as a society that is keeping the gospel from moving like it's supposed to in this city and in this nation.
I believe that the city of Vintook can come to faith, can hear the gospel, if the church would be responsible and faithful enough to live out what God has asked them to do. I believe that this nation, this city, could impact the world for the sake of Christ. If this city and this nation would say, yes, in Christ, I can do anything that God has asked me to do. And then they would take on the responsibility of sharing the gospel to a lost world. God has commissioned New Song Family Church. God has commissioned Ventuk. God has commissioned the nation of Namibia to be his ambassadors to a lost world. And I believe that we can be that because God will give us the power that we need. God will give us the wisdom. God will give us the vision and, and, and the direction to know exactly what we should do for his glory and for his sake. And then we can say, yes, God, wherever you lead me, I will go. Because I know you will empower me to do whatever you ask me to do. And we can say a firm yes, I will share the gospel. Yes, I will be part of advancing the kingdom of God. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you, God, for your grace. And Lord Jesus, we confess that uh, we have not been trustworthy. Lord, we confess that to you, Father, as a sin, not as something we're proud of, but, Father, as a sin. Uh, we have not been faithful. And, Lord, we come to you, Father, as a church, and we say, God, please forgive us for, for this. Lord, we need your grace and your mercy in these days, Lord, where we have not been reliable. Lord, you promise us that when we have not been faithful, you are always faithful. Lord, you never leave us on the side of the road. And Lord, we know we can count on you, Father. And Lord, we ask God that you would help us to be people that you can count on. Lord, we give you praise. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This is Rico Vecca, and I am also a pastor at New Song Family Church. I want to thank you for listening to this message today. And it is my hope that you will join us again for another New Song Family Church podcast.